Welcome to the Brinkman Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the audio drama, The Brinkman Adventures. Uh, this is episode 28. I'm Eric Schilder. And of course, I'm Sarah Boltman. And we are happy to be here with you today. And uh, we're gonna, we've got a kind of a unique, uh, unique episode. Normally, when you have a, you know, either a faith-based or a family-based entertainment, it's all modeling good behavior. Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting about this episode is we kind of go the opposite direction. And it gets uh, awkward. It is a cautionary tale. <laughs> of course, we're talking about uh, A Tale of Two Teams. Mm-hmm. That's from season five. It's episode 51. And uh, we're going to go ahead and run a quick clip and then we'll uh, jump right in. Caleb, what are you doing? Making sure this pile starts quick. Is that gas? Mr. Staple Run calls it secret sauce. And his nickname's Torch. Remember what he did to the Thompson's barn? What stinks out here? I thought we were supposed to burn down by the shore. You want to move all this wood? I'm done moving it. What do you mean? You've been gone for the last hour. Well, I need to wash the fox stuff out of my hat. Caleb, it's right next to the shed. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Okay, everyone, stand back. Are you sure about this? Yup. Stand way back. Should we be worried about the sparks going into the shed? Water! Get some water, quick! And the shed birds up. <laughs> yeah, I think we can kind of tell what's <laughs> what's going on there. First, a word of caution again is this is a cautionary tale. Mm-hmm. So do not light fires with gasoline. Uh, it tends to make them explode and and get out of <laughs> That's hand right. very very quickly. Uh, so uh, go ahead, Sarah. Kind of just fill us in. Give us the kind of always give us the kind of the lowdown of the episodes. The little nutshell. Yeah, the little nutshell. Give us yeah. the give us the elevator pitch on this yeah. particular episode. This episode is interesting because um, it it ha- takes place in Alaska. Um, there's a missions conference going on and. Jack Brinkman has brought his kids to this mission conference, and uh, Jonathan Walker, his brother-in-law, has a mission trip set up for all the, the students to go on. It's just a day trip. Um, they go over, and they're supposed to help a man named Herman Christensen um, paint and kind of redo his shed. So that's just a little project they're going to do for somebody in the village there. And um Instead of helping with this shed, they end up burning it down. And that was the scene that you hear as uh, the shed burning up. And and at the end of the day, all the kids are ter- they're just feel terrible because this shed they're supposed to be fixing up, they destroyed it. And um, I guess I'll just spoil the episode. But at the very end, you realize it was a setup. And there was a team that was a plant that was showing the people, the other kids on the trip, what not to do. And um, you never really want to do this in real life. But thankfully, in the episode, they had the guy that they were helping was a, a missionary himself, and he was a believer, and he was in on it. So, um, but it, it just turned out to be such a fascinating story of of what does it look like? What are some of the classic blunders that people can do when they're on a mission trip? And um, we wanted to do this story because having been on the mission field and a lot of different short-term trips with a lot of different teams hosting them and seeing them come to Zambia and going myself, I've seen a lot of um, people unknowingly kind of make a mess of things when they're on the field. And 
you know, as a mission, as a doing a mission trip, you're kind of representing God in a way, you know, especially if people don't know him. Hi, this is who God is. And at the same time, we can be doing things that is saying to them, God is not very good. So we wanted to show that in in some funny ways, some different ways, but but really it's a it's a serious topic helping people going on short-term and long-term trips realize that what you do, how you treat people, it really speaks into um someone's understanding of the gospel. How you treat them, you're treating them well and they see God more clearly. You treat them badly and they can just want to throw you and everything else out. Um, of their heart and their life. So that's what this episode is about. Thanks, Sarah. And the, the episode takes place where? Um, it takes place in a little village called Nanwalik. Nanwalik. Yes. And that's in Alaska, right? That's in Alaska, near Homer, Alaska. If only we knew someone from Alaska that could <gasps> help us that, out. That would be brilliant. Well, it just so happens that we have on the line <laughs> of course. one of the actual characters there that's in the episode, Jonathan Walker. Jonathan, thank you for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. That was a pretty cool segue, wasn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's just sitting back there going, when are they going to get to me? When are they going to get to me? Smooth. Um, You know, uh, I I really appreciate this episode for a number of reasons. One is, first of all, I like the twist. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I like the twist at the end. Uh, Secondly is that uh, having lived overseas myself, it kind of puts a magnifying glass on an understanding about our social, <laughs> our social and cultural gaffes mm-hmm. that we get into. I mean, anyone that's been overseas for any long time or had been in another country uh, can probably have that story mm-hmm. of, well, I went in to do this and it turns out that that's not what you want to do. <laughs> so this is this is a good episode to talk about. I think it's actually got some in amidst all the kind of the zaniness and the fun of it. There's some important lessons, and mm-hmm. we were talking earlier with Jonathan about some of those. And uh, if you could just maybe reiterate, uh, you know, some of those cases. You know, um, something that stuck with me for a really long time now. The first trip I took to the Philippines, um, we had a missionary come and do some cultural training with us. We'd been a missionary in the Philippines for a long time, and we were headed over to rebuild homes for um, blind individuals after one of the hurricanes had hit Manila in particular. And and so he came in and he kind of gave us some of the, you know, nuanced things about Filipino culture and whatnot. He said, over the years, he has discovered that Americans in particular only have one word to describe things that are different. And that is wrong. Hmm. That when we look at someone working differently or using different tools or building differently, doing construction differently, taking care of animals differently, we don't view it as different. We actually view it as wrong. And it's rooted in a sort of an arrogance or a belief that we're modernized or superior. So uh, this is a good example, but um, uh, we know what a shovel is supposed to look like, right? It's got a handle that sticks upright and you, you put your foot down on it and you shove it into the dirt and you dig a hole. Yeah. But most of the developing world doesn't have that for a shovel. They actually have what we would call a hoe, like a short hoe for a shovel. And they dig it into the ground and pull it towards them, right? And, and we would say, oh, that's a lot more work and over all day. And we wouldn't even give a second thought to the reality that what would it feel like to stomp on a shovel when I don't have shoes? all day long. Uh-huh. Hmm. Um, it's, it's sort of changed my approach missions. And I think ultimately it's dealing with what 
Paul's identifying in 1 Corinthians. When we think about the body of Christ and each part of the body, Americans tend to think about that as their local church. And if they're really open-minded, they think about it as the churches in their town are all part of the body. But when you begin to understand that the body is actually global and that each part of the body has been gifted in unique ways, and what Paul's really contending for is mutual honor, value, and respect. And I think if, if short-term missions teams would simply um, recognize that we have an assumption that we believe different is wrong um, and understand that every part of the body brings unique value to the whole body, we would go in much more sensitive, even if we didn't know all of the cultural nuances. That's really good. The The story I was uh, telling earlier um, was about a, one of my trips to India, one of the early trips to India. My wife was with me and we would hold hands and we were walking around the compound during the day. And it didn't, it didn't seem like a big deal to me at all because I'd seen men holding hands, right? Um, that they were really affectionate <laughs> men were towards one another. And yet they were not dealing with some of the issues we would assume that that represents. They just had a real brotherly sort of affection for them. They had an arm around each other holding hands, but so I didn't even realize it, but I hadn't noticed any men and women walking around holding hands, but it didn't seem like it was wrong to hold someone's hand culturally so i my wife and i were holding hands and uh the leader of the group who was an indian man himself um came to us after a couple of days and he said i just want you to be aware that um when people see you holding your wife's hand um they believe she's in trouble and you're taking her for discipline (laughs) it's one of those moments you hope someone tells you the truth and he was making me aware and i was really grateful i know it's interesting some people are completely oblivious of those things and they don't think they matter that much. Other people can go the opposite direction. Some some people that I've gone on mission trips felt almost paralyzed because they didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And so they're acting super awkward. Mm-hmm. And um, I really liked what you said earlier too. To just be yourself is actually very important. Be honor like honor them from your heart and then be yourself. And and then be super open to hearing any kind of feedback mm-hmm. in the moment on how you're doing because you don't you can't know all the cultural nuances especially if it's a short term trip or a shorter trip so um yeah that's that's cool that he was willing to talk with you about that and just say that you know and and you were just quick to like take it on and say oh wait thank you you know i'm not going to push my thing in this moment cuz this way is you know you weren't trying to like teach the whole cultural lesson by holding your wife's hand it's more important that as they see you a minister of the gospel, not disciplining your wife all the time. (laughs) One of the things I would think is difficult is, especially with short-term missions, and I'll say particularly with maybe more younger younger folks, one of the things I noticed, for example, was uh, that Americans sometimes are a little loud. Uh, When we walk into places, uh, we're, we're loud. And, you know, that was one of the things that was told to me was, you know, Americans are loud. And so I had to sort of throttle that back um, and and change how I deal with it. How can we help instruct um, short-term missions, especially younger people, to, to begin to adapt to that? Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's really important is for teams to recognize, individuals to recognize that um, my, my role in this trip is um, primarily to strengthen the leader who's in place. Are you talking about the local leader? Yeah. How can I strengthen that ministry and then watch for their lead? If you go in believing that this experience is for me primarily, 
then you're looking for ways for yourself to enjoy the experience versus courage and strengthen the local ministry or local leader that you're working with. And, and I think if you can have that mental shift, then you begin watching for their cues. And the question you're asking is, how can I bless? And then I discover I get to enjoy other things um, as a byproduct of that. But if you if you head out on the trip saying, I'm going because I want a cultural experience. Or because I have something really awesome to give. Like, right. I'm this awesome thing. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that, that sort of humility piece, recognizing that this is a part of the body that God has equipped and resourced with something that I probably need. That's mm-hmm. sort of the whole concept behind the book, When Helping Hurts, right? That poverty um, actually shows up in all kinds of forms. And while Americans may not experience poverty of financial resources or material resources, we experience poverty in relationships and poverty in intimacy and poverty in relationship with God. And right. Um, so we actually, they have pieces that we need. Yeah. And in, in this episode, we, we get a lot of really great uh, pictures of some of the different styles that we can do that are not correct that are counterproductive we've got uh is it isaac is is kind of lazy yeah. uh you've got um who is the one that didn't like the food nancy nancy and it, what was it stink flipper or what What was the <laughs> what was the eskimo ice cream that she tried eskimo that she ice cream like and then him. it was later herman that was telling kate about the stink head which is kind of the delicacy yeah um yeah. yeah you've got someone that's always on their phone and then you've got you know the superior uh, person in there. So I think, you know, you've probably given that you've led a lot of missions trip, you've probably seen all of these personalities and more, uh, in some of the people that you've taken, uh, with you. How do you, how do you approach, uh, correction when you, when you need to? Um, well, it depends on the severity of the offense, uh, for sure. Students <laughs> I've had to send home, um, because of, situations in the past but but by and large um i think my my approach has always uh, been to ask the question why do you believe god has sent you here and 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 typically a student or an adult either one can come to that answer pretty quickly and then to to then ask the question so how do you believe these things are impacting your ability to accomplish what you actually believe god has called you to do uh, versus, you know, sort of behavior modification. Um, but getting back to what, what do you believe the reason God has called you here for is? And let me walk you through the impacts that this is having on um, sort of hamstringing your ability. And um, people seem to be pretty responsive to that. Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense because I think it, it does two things. One is it, it shines the light on where it needs to be. Mm-hmm in the the seriousness of what they're doing. It can be a joyful experience and it can be a learning experience, but it is a very serious, uh, it is a serious thing. It's the Great Commission. It is our one of our prime directives of, of what we're to do. And if we're taking it as, well, what can I get out of it? Um, you know, we're approaching it in the wrong way. Yeah, you have to keep reframing it, I think. Yeah, I've, I've um, seen a couple different things. Some of this stuff that we had, the team do wrong was based on some of the things that I've seen in Zambia. There was a village we were working with for a long period of time. So we would get to know the kids and the most vulnerable among them came to live in the orphan home that we were staffing and bringing the church around. Um, But one thing that was super interesting to me and how, 
you know, learning these things can be really hard because you're trying to bring the values of the gospel into a, a place that maybe doesn't have it. So you're you're trying to bring the gospel. You're trying to live that out in front of them, show them love, show them care. And um, sometimes there are things in the culture that feel opposite to you. Um, for instance, when I was in Zambia, the headman came to us after a while and said, you guys are making our children disrespectful. And we were shocked because we were trying our hardest to do Bible stuff with them and help them. And um, I said, okay, tell us, what what are you talking about? And um, he said, in our culture, it's not okay for a child to run up to their dad and jump and hug them or pull on their leg or be physically kind of affectionate to them in that gregarious type of way. And they said, when you come in the village and are playing with our kids, and especially the older boys would just, I mean, the, you know, young men, they'd be 25, would let the kids run at them and jump on them and they'd throw them around and, you know, we'd be hugging the kids a lot. And um, that was hard because for us, it was showing affection mm -hmm. to them that was being dishonoring. So what I personally did was just, I would, I dialed it back and it was really hard for me because you know, being a girl, I wanted to hug these kids who had no parents. I wanted to love them in that way that to me said love. Mm. But to them, it was saying, you can be disrespectful. And I did see it. I saw the kids begin to come up to me and like have a little attitude and like, hey, and pull my thing. And I'm like, they are becoming disrespectful through the quote unquote love that I thought I was showing them. So listening to the culture, dialing back what I thought was an expression of love and and then learning what is an expression of love there and showing them that, um, that's an interesting line to walk. Mm -hmm. And I think you learn that more and more as you're there longer. Yeah. Um, so that's why it's important to listen to local people. Yeah, I think when it comes to, as a, often I'm preaching or teaching in environments when I'm overseas, um, whether it's church services or conferences or that sort of thing. And sort of where I've drawn that line is there's no verse in the Bible that says, um, thou shalt throw your kids up in the air to show them affection, right? Uh, so I'm not going to teach that you should show affection in the way I show affection to my kids. But when it comes to other issues, there are clear biblical mandates. And so um, if there's a cultural norm that is in opposition to a clear biblical mandate, then I'm willing to address that thing. Um, but I'm very cautious to sort of push back on the lines, the things that um, there's not a clear biblical mandate on. I'm very okay with leaving those as cultural. Um, and then when I do identify those things, I always run it by the local leader before I present it because I want to be able to present it in a way that can be received. Yeah, that's so good. And it's it's so important to continue to trust that the Holy Spirit is working in the local people and helping them you know, live out what love is, what honor mm -hmm. is in a way that makes sense to each other, you know? So trusting that the Holy Spirit is there and yet being faithful and obedient to hear what's in the word and speak it out, you know? So it's a, it's a dependence on the Holy Spirit, I think, as you, as you do that. So yeah, showing honor um, and recognizing I'm there to serve and, and then you know, allowing things that are cultural to be cultural. Mm -hmm. And honoring the culture that is there too. You know, things that are different that we don't understand, enjoy it. Like, that's what I love about this episode. You know, you hear Kate talking about the throat singing, which to us is sounds so different, but she's finding the beauty in it. And like, and even the stink head fish that to us would probably make our stomachs hurt. 
realizing, oh, it's like sauerkraut in a way. It's kind of good for your gut and helps with this and that. You know, I liked seeing the positive in this. And it's just very endearing when that really happens in real life, too. We're we're out of time. Uh, Jonathan, I really appreciate having you uh, on the program today. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back again for some more exciting tales. And we'd like to thank our listeners as well for uh, joining with us today. And if you get any further comments or questions or want to learn more or uh, any of those kinds of things, uh, head on over to BrinkmanAdventures.com and uh, you kind of get your fill of of Brinkman Adventures. So for episode 28, I'm Eric Schilder. And I'm Sarah Boltman. And we thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.